Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. Welcome back to our Burden and Blessing Podcast. As we continue on our study series on the Psalms, we're looking at these chronologically as best as we can. And with me once again today is Pastor Nathaniel Mayhew. My name is Pastor Neil Radical. Good to see you today, Nathaniel. Ready to jump into Psalm 17? Absolutely, as always. All right, why don't you read it for us? All right, we're reading from Psalm 17. We're taking this from the New King James Version translation. This is a prayer of David. Hear a just just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who oppress me, from the deadly enemies who surround me, they have closed up their fat hearts. With their mouths they speak proudly. They have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes, crouching down to the earth as a lion is eager to tear his prey and like a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, Confront him, cast him down, deliver my life from the wicked with your sword, with your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life and whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure. They are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possessions for their babes. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Beautiful psalm. It's fantastic. Do you want to give us a little bit of the historical background in comparison with some of the other ones we've done so far? Sure. This isn't much different than the ones that we've talked about before. We can see once again, as we've talked about over the last couple of of psalms, that this is again in a situation where David is on the run. He's certainly being oppressed by those who are wicked. I think there's a couple of keys in all of this. The first section really highlights the fact that David is, he's confessing his innocence. And I can't help, Neil, think about Saul in this particular situation because we have a couple of accounts where David had the opportunity to do Saul in. You know, you think about the cave and he comes in and he has the opportunity, cuts a portion off of his his robe and then shows it to him. And, and then later, you know, Saul says, yep, I, I was wrong in doing this. But when I when I see the innocence that David is emphasizing here and the fact that he says very clearly, I have I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress, not only his mouth, but also in his actions. So I think this fits in nicely with some of the other Psalms that we've talked about 
possibly and most likely in the situation with David being on the run from Saul, which we've talked about a number of times over the last few few Psalms. Well, I think that fits really well with verse four and five, too, concerning the works of men. We've talked about in other Psalms how he was often surrounded by those. It wasn't just Saul who wanted him dead. There was other nationalists who sided with Saul that did not want any part with David. And so we, we often think of, mostly think of Saul attacking him, but there was obviously other people as well. And so that whole idea, keeping away from the keeping away from the paths of the destroyer, the steps in your paths until my footsteps may not slip. So basically trying to walk and following the ways of the Lord, not transgressing the Lord's law, like he had mentioned there. I really like that idea of that. You started to talk about that verse three. I have purpose that my mouth shall not transgress. And that idea of I've planned in my heart, I've determined, I, I resolved to bridle my tongue. You know, we take that in the New Testament with James chapter three, talking about learning how to bridle one's tongue, tongue be in control, not just of our how we speak, but wh- what our speech is, what our focus is there. So I like that it's that sanctified living of wanting to serve the Lord and please the Lord, not just in what he's doing, but everything he's saying about his enemies and saying about his Lord at the same point in time. When you referenced James three, and in James, James talks about how hard it is to bridle the tongue. You know, what a, what a struggle that is for us, each one of us. And I, and I, I too, I really love that idea of, of verse three. You mentioned, you know, what a, that's a person to, to emulate and to respect. A person who has determined, I am going to use my mouth in the right way, not in the wrong way. Because that is so easy for us to slip into. You know, think about the sins of the tongue and gossiping and how easy it is for us to, to hop on the bandwagon and to say those things that are really weighing on us and, and that we really shouldn't be saying because it's hurting the other person's reputation. And so this idea of I've purposed not to do that, that's a, that's a respectful thing in the life of a Christian. It's interesting David, I think we'd both agree, is a mentor of ours. David's dead. You know, what's interesting is that our mentoring of the next generation continues on through them. Obviously, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the Lord who's been mentoring David to have this counsel. And we see that in the psalm. That you see, I have called upon you in verse 6, and you hear me, O God, incline your ear to me and, and my hear my speech. So David's always, he uses the word vindication in verse 2. Judge me, Lord. Judge my speech. Judge my actions. Really, ultimately, David's mentor is the Lord, Jehovah. And we emulate, we respect, we resolve with David because we follow the same mentor as well. You know, our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah. And ultimately, it trickles down through the generations of this mentoring. And like David says here in verse four, by the word of your lips. And I think that's a very important point. That's referring to the word of God, the word of your lips, not concerning the works of men, but the word of your lips, Lord, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. And I think that is important in these verses because you might, you might look at these verses and say, ah, David's on his high horse. Look at how great he thinks he is. He hasn't done any of these bad things. But that's not at all what he's saying. Look at verse 5. He says, uphold my steps. He's going to the Lord and saying, Lord, help me. He said, I know I'm not perfect. I need your help to continue because that, that old Adam inside me, it really wants to get him back. It wants to say bad things. It wants to retaliate. It wants to have, you know, vengeance. But no, the Lord says, or David comes and he says, Lord, help me. Help me to do what is the right thing to do. Help me to walk in your paths, not in my paths, 
but in your paths. So beautiful prayer here that certainly emphasizes the struggle that we all have. Think about Romans 7, the good that I would, I don't do. And, and David is struggling with that very thing too, but he's saying, he's saying from an outward perspective, I don't deserve what I'm getting here because this person's coming at me for his own selfish purposes. That's a little bit different than we're never totally innocent. And David would admit, he'd be the first one to admit he wasn't totally innocent. But he's saying from this perspective of this situation, you know my heart, you know that I haven't done anything in order to bring this on in this particular situation. Yeah, that's why I like the way he says that. Here a just cause, O oh Lord, in the very first line. You know, it's let me let me plead for you, Lord. Why is this happening to me? You know, help it, you know, keep me in my faith, keep me strong in my actions and words, because I don't deserve what these wicked men are bringing against me. He says that in verse nine, from the wicked who oppress me, from my deadly enemies who surround me, they've closed up their fat hearts. What do you think of when you hear that idea of their fat hearts? What does that mean? Well, I think we're going to come back to this later on in the text. Uh, And I think part of this is an indication that they have been blessed by the Lord, but they don't acknowledge it. And they're rebelling against the Lord. They're rejecting who the Lord is. Again, David is trying to be a witness to them. There are others that are certainly trying to be a witness to them, but they're rebelling against what God desires of them. So this idea of their fat hearts, and boy, that's it's pretty descriptive there. The fat hearts, he says, they've closed them up. Their mouths, they speak proudly. They've surrounded us in our steps. So they're certainly going against what God would want them to do, rebelling against the things of God. And he describes them as being deadly. A wicked, you know, those are the those are the adjectives that are describing this group of people that are coming after David, and he's praying that the Lord would would the words that are used there, your marvelous loving kindness. This is in verse seven. Uh, save those who trust in you. Keep me as the apple of your eye. In verse eight, hide me under the shadow of your wings. What a beautiful prayer! That again, David is putting his confidence and his trust in the Lord, knowing that it is the Lord who is going to be able to know his heart and be able to deliver him as only uh, the Lord can. I was going to comment a little bit more on the the fat hearts thing, because you see that contrast between David's heart, verse three, says, you have tested my heart. And then the whole point is verse 10 is they've closed up their heart. So what do you see right away? It says the heart is representing faith here. You've tested my heart, my soul. You found me, um, this, this faith in you versus the opposite of the, the wicked, their fat hearts. You know, there's a, there's a neat parallel, but anytime you hear in the Bible, this fat heart idea, it's one that's um, not functioning properly. It's one that's covered up. It's closed up in that sense. You, you hear it in Acts 7 too, when uh, Stephen is speaking to the council that rejected Jesus, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. So this fat heart idea is those who are rejecting the word of the Lord's lips. And so you see this contrast between David's righteousness as a believer, where the Lord continues to test him, and you see this, this fatness of the unbelieving heart, this uncircumcised heart that does that rejects the word of the Lord. Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, word in the Hebrew. It has the idea of... Um, fatness, you know, so one who you might think of an animal, you, you know, you fat up the cow or the, the sheep or whatever in order to get as much out of it as you can. So it's one that's taking on all of this stuff, but, and we think of that as a good thing if we want to eat it, 
But if you think of one who's doing that on its own, it's selfish, isn't it? It's focused on selfish purposes. I think that's a big part of that too. Yeah, as it goes on here in this section, you start, you, you talk about the apple of your eye and the shadow of your wings. Again, you have this alliteration, you know, the ad- apple, that, that central, you know, David's saying, I have purposed, but then at the same point in time, he's pleading and praying, Lord, you purpose to keep me in the center of your eye, the focus of that, you know, one translation we can look at there with the Hebrew would be in the middle of the night. So that darkest part of the eye, the, the most direct focus, Lord, don't shift your gaze from me at all. The shadow of your wings is that protection. So it's basically pleading that the Lord would be intent and intense on focusing on him and his life and predicament and everything he's going through. So it, you know, the, the opposite of that would be the Lord turning away from him, not looking at him. You know, we say every weekend in the Aaronic benediction that the Lord would bless and keep you and make his face shine upon you. That idea is he's gazing on you, lift up his countenance that he's looking directly at you, smiling upon you and giving you his peace. Definitely fits here with this idea of keeping you as the apple of your eye. Well, then he kind of, after praying that the Lord would watch over him, protect him, save him he's got uh, he kind of goes back and describes these enemies again and there's you're talking about picture language with the apple and the the shadow of the wings we get another picture or a couple of pictures in verses 11 and 12 you want to dig into those two verses and the picture language that's there describing the wicked now sure and i i love every time the psalms do this you have this early on in the psalms like in four and five but you have the wicked talking about like lions we know satan's that hungry lion we usually bring that up when we talk about this picture language here they're eager to tear away their prey and we know that david's men or saul's men are hunting david to destroy him to kill him from the death and like the young lion lurking in secret places we know that david's woken up in the middle of the night some of his psalms we've done before talk about him waking up in the middle of the night and his enemies are literally surrounding him and so he's been through this before and so verse 13 is interesting because it takes that lion picture and then it just like a lion is a roused against his prey now david says you lord arise so you picture you know these jackals that we've talked about before these hyenas these young lions you know attacking at david and david says all right you lord god you almighty god you arise you know and what are they going to do against the lord i've got one bigger on my side <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like sick him, lord you know it's that yep. whole idea of attack dog and you know, and that's exactly what it says. Confront him, cast him down, deliver my life from him by your hand, by your sword. You know, that's ultimately what the Lord David's pleading. You know, Lord, I can't do anything against this. You've got to rise up against them. All of this. So you've got all of this picture language, these enemies that are coming against the Lord, uh, against David. He's asking for the Lord to deliver him. So there's a cycle. You know, it starts off by saying, I hear my cause. I'm innocent. Uh, these guys are out to get me, deliver me, you're merciful, you're worthy of trust, keep me in your in your presence. Again, he goes back and describes the wicked, and then he closes out with these beautiful two verses at the end. And you and I both yeah. just love these two verses at the end. Why don't you read those two verses, and we'll take, take it just yeah. a minute yeah. to read them. Yeah, you them. comment on them, then I'll read them. With your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life, and whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure. They are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possessions for their babes. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Go ahead. Well, share. So I think the, the, 
the neat thing about these two verses is there's another contrast. And it's really highlighted with the word satisfied in both 14 and then 15. But what David is doing is he's showing what is it that the world is satisfied with? And what is it that the Christian is satisfied with? So he says that the world is satisfied with a portion in this life, with leaving a uh, something behind for the next generation. It talks about they have their portion in this life. Their belly is filled, and I love this phrase, with your hidden treasure. The fact that the Lord gives them blessings too, but they don't acknowledge it. They yeah, don't my, recognize it as coming from God. I feel like right away, my mind goes to the New Testament where we talk about we have this treasure in hidden, hidden vessels. And so that phrase makes this phrase confusing. But how do you understand this phrase then? I mean, you kind of just described it there, this hidden treasure. Explain it again. It's just the fact that God gives us blessings every single day. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of life. But the problem is, is that the people of the world don't acknowledge that. They don't acknowledge that these things that they have, whether it be the money in their bank account or the ability to work or their children or their family or their home, they don't acknowledge those things as coming from God. They said, I did this. This is mine. And so it's hidden in the sense that it comes from God, but they don't acknowledge it as coming from God. There's the problem. They only focus on the things of this life. Their portion is entirely connected to things of the world. And it says there that they're satisfied with that. Right. They're content with that. And that's sad. It's okay. I, I only have this life to live. That's fine. Right. So compare that now with verse 15. And I think we agree that this is the best verse of this. It is. I mean, there's, we, we know the keep me as a, keep me, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me. We, we know right. everyone focuses on verse eight. That's great. That's an awesome verse. It we is. don't want to downplay that. But verse 15, the contrast between what the the world is satisfied on who don't acknowledge or don't rejoice in God. Contrast that now with verse 15 with that satisfaction, satisfying of what David has. Well, and you and I both like the uh, translation of satisfied that is satiated, completely full to the brim. And what David is saying is, you know what? The things of this life, they don't satisfy. They don't satiate. They, they look at it as that, but he says, what really satisfies is seeing your face in righteousness. He talks about the resurrection. He talks about the hope of eternal life. I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satiated when I awaken. I love this last phrase in your likeness. I think about Philippians where Paul tells us that our bodies will be transformed, changed into the likeness of Jesus himself, glorified. That's what David is looking ahead to. And this is not a New Testament concept. This is not a Christian thing that was developed by the Christians after the time of Jesus. David believes this a thousand years before the time of Jesus. Yeah. Crazy. This is, he's speaking about the resurrection. There yes. is gospel in the Old Testament. Absolutely. It's full in the Psalms. You already hinted at verse seven, which talks about show your marvelous loving kindness. That's another word for mercy. That's another word for grace. You know, save those who trust in you. So there's a salvation. There's a deliverance. Like you said, there was verse 15. It's that we're going to get to behold his face in glory, face to face with Christ, our savior. And that when we awake from the dead to that eternal life, that's what Christ is going to do for us. And it really points us out to Jesus there too, face to face with the Lord. Makes you think of Job, makes you think of all kinds of sections. I really like this verse from 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, 
Now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. Christ Christ ascended into heaven with his body. We're going to get to see him in our bodies face to face, and we will be perfected just like Jesus was when he rose from the dead. Yeah, beautiful passage and nice, very nice cross-reference to what we're talking about here. It helps us to understand a little bit better what David is describing in verse 15, that satisfaction, that satiation that we look forward to in eternity. Yeah, the people that are seeking the earthly possessions and earthly wealth here, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 6, they have their reward. You know, Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about when they're trying to be seen by men or do things for those reasons, they have the reward. It's here on this earth. Right. But for those who want to be satisfied with the righteousness of Christ for eternity, you know, we have that reward in Christ already and that eternal victory in heaven. It's a beautiful psalm. Well, and even if you jump ahead a little bit further in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, going back to the righteousness, see your face. And all of these other things, they will be added to you. God does give us blessings. They're hidden outside of Christ, though. And we it's the spirit that reveals the blessings of God, both in this life and, and more importantly, in the life to come. Absolutely. Can I close with a, a hymn verse from Please Paul do. Gerhardt? Please I do. think it ties this together, especially verse 15 and the, the satiation, the satisfaction that we look forward to in heaven. So we'll close with this prayer. O faithful child of heaven, how blessed shalt thou be with songs of glad thanksgiving a crown awaiteth thee into thy hand thy maker will give the victor's palm and thou to thy deliverer shalt sing a joyous psalm certainly ties it back in with the psalm that we're studying here today and the fact that we will be using psalms like this even with when we're with the lord in glory Hallelujah for that. Thank you for the study today, Nathaniel. Thank you for anyone who's listening in today. We hope you continue on with this long-term chronological study of Psalms. We know it's going to take us years to finish. We're okay with that. But uh, as we continue to produce devotions for this as well, and we hope that you've enjoyed the study that we've gone through here today from Psalm 17. Blessings in a day. Lord, keep you as we look forward to being satisfied and awaking to seeing our Lord face to face. Have a great day. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that he will always be with you, even to the end of the world.